Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. Today we're doing something a little bit different than anything we've done before. It was a suggestion from somebody who listened, so thank you, Chrissy. So she suggested that we watch the movie Little Women and then talk about it on the show and then um, also compare it to the book a little bit and then we we took that idea and expanded on it we're also going to talk about some books that are related to little women so let's start uh with our impressions of the movie and do you want to go first so probably first we should establish we're going to talk spoilers yes yeah okay yeah if you haven't seen the movie yet yeah if you haven't haven't watched the movie don't also i think we did this because I mean, we should have done it four months ago when the movie came out, but I'm glad we're doing it now because it gives people a chance to actually see the movie and to have, you know, we're not spoiling it for most people that will have yeah, seen it. Yeah, that will have seen it or want to see it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because I just saw it on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I just watched it on Saturday. I had not seen it when yes. it was in the movie theater. Yeah. Yeah. So I loved it. I think you loved it too. I did love it. I loved it very, very much. Oh, it good. Was, yes. Good, so. good, good. Um. I don't know that I loved it quite as much as the 94 Winona Ryder mm-hmm. version, just, just because that's the one that I grew up with. And mm-hmm. so those nostalgia feelings are strong. But I feel like just like in the book, you can really take what you want at different times and in different um, interpretations mm-hmm. of, of the book mm-hmm. and put that into a movie. And so I liked that this focused on different things than the the other adaptations I had seen already had. So mm-hmm. I, I think actually I've seen every adaptation that is available of yeah. Little Women. Um, so I know there's the one in the, there's the Catherine Hepburn one right. in the 1930s. And then there's one that has Elizabeth Taylor as Amy in the 40s. And then there's a 1970s uh, miniseries. And then PBS just did a miniseries. And, um, and then there was also a modern one that came out recently and I've seen all of them and this is definitely right up there with the 94 version I would say yeah it, it's it was fabulous I loved it I loved that it I love what it's saying about memory and nostalgia mm-hmm. and I think that it could be like I heard a lot of complaints about the time uh flipping back and forth mm-hmm. um issues and that lots of people were confused by it so I kind of think you maybe need to have already read the book going into it more than you would have with another version of of the movie but I really liked what it was doing with that. I, I loved that it referenced things that had happened before and, and that you, so many people feel nostalgia about Little Women. And so mm-hmm. then to kind of go meadow with nostalgia mm-hmm. in this version, I thought was really, really cool. So mm-hmm. um, how about you? What are, what are, what were your impressions at first? So I am not like, I read Little Women when I was young, but it is not sort of like an influential book for me, really of my childhood. Like I read it and mm-hmm. I liked it. I had feelings about the fact that Joe and Lori did not end up together in the book. Like, that felt completely unjust to me. Like, I thought that that's the way it should have ended. Um, and but I and I, I do believe I saw the Winona Ryder version, but I think that's the only other version I've ever seen. And I think I only saw that when it came out. It's not one I've watched repeatedly or anything like that. Oh, okay. So I know the framework of the story but it wasn't something where I was going to pick out like oh that's different from the book versus that's the same from the book really you know I did not think that the time the way they did back and forth in time was confusing and I feel like I am almost coming into it cold not totally because I know the story but I mean it's not like I'm so familiar with the book that I would know it inside and out so I do feel like if if it hadn't I thought it was pretty seamless. The only time it confused me was there was one point. So Joe cuts her hair. Mm-hmm. That's like a famous scene, I guess, that she cuts her hair to get money. And then after, so for a while, that's an easy demarcation of what time it is because um, when it's the earlier time, she has short hair, and then it's the later time, she has longer hair. And then there's a scene where she has the long hair. Like, there's no in-between. It goes from really short to then really right. long. And so that sort of stopped me for a second because I was like, wait. But what what becomes apparent is it's now the, the times are almost like merging into the later time, if that yeah. makes sense. You know, we're getting closer and closer to the later time. So that's her hair is long again. Uh, but the, so that was the only thing that I was at, at any point that sort of confused me of, wait, which which timeline are we in here? Or which, yeah. which time um, 
period. I guess not timeline, time period are we in. But I thought it was so good. I thought it was really well acted. I thought. Oh my um, gosh, yes. To me, Amy was the yes. star of the oh, show. That's, that's in my notes. Is <laughs> Amy was the best. <laughs> so it, I loved her. Like, I loved her character. I thought yeah. that she, the actress and the script brought a real um, appealing sensibility to her. I don't right. know, like sympathetic, I guess, more than the book did or the previous versions I've seen. Um, I just thought I walked away being like, yeah, in my mind, that was like Amy's story um, because <laughs> I just felt like it gave her so much like the motivation for things that she did were really clear. And then, you know, in the book again, in the book, and this is from when I read it when I was like seven years old or what, eight years old, whatever, however old I was, mm-hmm. it never it didn't make sense to me because it's like Joe and Lori are these childhood friends and it seems like they're falling in love and they're going to end up together. And then Amy marries Lori. And you're like, wait, what? Where did that come from? So I thought the movie did such a good job of showing how that happened and really making it believable. And Right. It gives them their love story. Right. Right. And that that she doesn't in other versions. Right. And she says to him, like, I don't want to be your second choice. Like, I'm not I'm not the consolation prize here, as as they would say in When Harry Met Sally. (laughs) Uh, So I don't I don't know. I just thought everything they did with her character was really, really great. And that actress was fabulous. Yeah, Uh, I had not seen her before. Florence Pugh. I had not seen her. And I just thought she was fantastic. Um, But in general, I thought all that. Pardon? Oh, she just completely steals the show. Oh, yeah. Take her your eyes off her Mm -hmm. in every scene she's in. So so I totally agree. How did you feel about Marmy? So that is my one complaint in the movie is I don't, I think Laura Dern was miscast in it. I think that she, I love her in other things. I love her in Big Little Lies. Mm-hmm. And I think she's a fabulous actress. But in this, I just felt like she was a modern woman plunked into mm-hmm. a period piece and never felt anything other than someone playing dress up. So like there are lots of ways that I think that the that this version is especially trying to show the modernity of these mm-hmm. girls mm-hmm. and and definitely much more in it than is actually present in the book mm-hmm. just with the way they talk to each other even though the book is very very modern in, mm-hmm. in tons of ways but there's mm-hmm. there's just language that's different right um but there were just things that she she does and says that i i thought that just feels like it's like uh, there's uh, the thing that sticks out to me is the part when when they first meet uh, or when she first meets Lori and mm-hmm. she she says oh I enjoy baking in the middle of the night and yeah. I, I just I roll my eyes I've seen this movie twice now yeah. and I've seen that part several times because I rewound it to like kind of think about how I felt about it yeah. and um and every time it rubs me the wrong way mm-hmm. so I I just feel like everyone else I forget that it's an actress like mm-hmm. that's I, I think I've talked to you about this before that I mm-hmm. my biggest complaint of complaint when I watch something is whether I can feel like I'm watching a character or whether mm-hmm. I feel like I'm watching an actor playing that character right. and everyone else I got lost in that character mm-hmm. except for her so um so that that's my one complaint about the movie I think yeah so so first I'm going to say something about the language and then I'm going to just a little side note about the language and then I want to talk about um Laura Dern and Marmy. so I was watching it in uh, one room and Jeremy was in the other room doing something and so he walked in like halfway through and he's never read the book or I, he maybe saw the 94 movie but he is not familiar with Little Women really <laughs> so he walked into the room and like over my shoulder was watching the screen and said when does this movie take place and I told him you know it was like you know part of it's during like Civil War and, and then he said because I'm in the other room and I'm hearing some of this dialogue and it does not sound like a, he said that's what he thought basically you know he thought it was a movie that was set in like several hundred years ago he said but the the dialogue didn't sound like that to him he said it felt yeah. so modern which I just thought was so funny because I I thought well yeah I, you know some of it but some of it were, were lines taken from directly from the book so right. it felt so I said well yeah I just think it's it's actually kind of a modern story even though yeah. it's set you know it was written in the past so well and I think I think the deliver like I think about the 94 version and that I just watched it recently and it's not I was kind of surprised at how little is taken from the book as mm-hmm. far as the dialogue goes but then 
the way it's delivered feels much more old fashioned. Yeah. To me. And in this one, it's the opposite. Right. Where they are speaking the lines directly from the book. And right. It, but there's something about their um, interactions with each other mm-hmm. and and like the way they sort of talk over each other in certain mm-hmm. ways that mm-hmm. is just very modern. So yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's really yeah. There's one scene right at the beginning when they're getting ready to go to that party, that like ball kind of thing. And yeah. they're all talking over each other. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so perfect. You don't see this in movies really right. ever. And it's, it felt so so natural and so yeah. normal of what would really happen when you have four sisters in a room together. And yeah. I just thought it was so great. So yeah, so I won't I won't spend too much time on Marmy because I think that you covered some of what my issues were. But my thing was like she would sort of have this smile on her face or sort of this like demeanor of very sweet and like caring kind of thing, very nurturing sometimes. But then it, it was like a mismatch, like you said, for that baking in the middle of the night thing. And then when she talks about being angry every day and I was like, nothing yeah. else in your portrayal of this character shows that you're angry every day. So that to me right. rang very false because I thought, oh, gosh, there's so much she could. Oh, there, the only time is at the very end when she says something to her husband about not being an immigrant. So he shouldn't travel or something like that. Yeah. And like that's yeah. the only other hint that you get of her. And, and I, I think I get where what she was trying to do or what the movie was trying to do, which is that she didn't really have the choice of being angry every day, right? She had right. to take care of her family and her husband was off. And, you know, I I, I think I got what was happening. But well, I just, she's also learned to control it. Because right. the whole thing of right. her admitting that is that it's such a shock to Joe that she is angry. And, right. And so, but, but I felt like I wish I had seen a little bit more. Right. I don't know some 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 sort of indication of that beyond her just saying it I guess because it didn't feel true to me when she yeah. said it because I was like I I don't know I don't know I just felt like it it, it, no, it I, again I totally it just know what didn't you mean. feel true yeah because so I love that they included that line because I think it's only this from what I've read, it's the, only the second time that that line from the book has been included in mm-hmm. an adaptation. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's just one of the greatest lines of any book ever of of like admitting female yeah. anger yeah. and how, how much of being a woman is being angry and learning how to control it because mm-hmm. you have to. Um, so I appreciated that so much. But in the Susan Sarandon portrayal, you see that anger, even though she is controlling right. it. Right, she's right, very, yes. very, very, like, loving and nurturing and serene, even. Mm, right. But there are scenes where you see that she's pacing, and, like, mm. the scene where uh, Amy um, is struck by the teacher, mm. and she's saying, she's dictating the letter that she's mm. going to send to him. You can see that rage in mm. her, and, and you're right. You never, ever see it in Laura Dern yes. at all. So and I think, so yeah. It's frustrating. Okay, so anything else we want to... Um... Oh, let's talk about the ending. Yes, okay, so I have that. Well, So I want to say one more thing, and I I feel like people might have a problem with this, but I did not really like Joe in this version. Oh! <laughs> like, as a character. I thought Saoirse Ronan did, did fine. But... Yeah. And I, I think it was purposeful, but I don't think she was a very endearing character. Um, again, on purpose. Uh, I loved, loved watching her watch her book be printed. Like that to oh me my was gosh, such I loved it so a much. beautiful, um, I mean, it made me cry. Like it was, I just loved it. So it's not like I, I, I think she was just prickly kind of, or, and I think, again, I think it was all on purpose, but she mm-hmm. wasn't, to me, it, she wasn't this like perfect protagonist kind of thing. Like it felt like she was, flawed in a mm-hmm. great way um but and so I didn't really again Amy to me was like the star and I just yeah. loved watching her and all of her scenes I was just like so entranced by her and I felt like Joe was a little bit it, it was a pleasant surprise I would say because I feel like often you would expect that Joe would be the main character who you root for and you know you want all these good things to happen and I don't know I just felt like they gave her a little bit of a rougher edge to her yeah. and like her personality and I really liked that and I liked the other thing I'll just say this about Joe and Lori so I liked <laughs> that they it never seemed like she thought of him as more than a buddy right. or like like that I thought portrayed it was portrayed very well 
And yeah. then it was so heartbreaking to me when she was crying and saying how lonely she was. And it was oh like, my gosh. I just, like, she wanted somebody, she was willing to settle a little bit because she wanted to not be alone. And I don't know, yeah. that just, I thought all of that was just beautifully, beautifully done. And then I, lo- I loved the alternate endings, which is what I wanted yes. to say before we got there. Yeah. Well, and I love, I love so much. I, I have other things to say about Joe and Lori, but I'll go back okay. to that. Okay. Oh. <laughs> This is a very hard discussion because I have all these things written out at different points, but yeah. we're, we're not going in a line. <laughs> so it's going to be tricky to uh, make sure I don't repeat myself. But um, I feel like so much of what makes this book revolutionary is, is I mean, there's so many things that, that can be said for that. But, but one of them is that being a woman and being a feminist doesn't equal that you are alone and mm-hmm. that and I love that I, I love the the scene where she says how much it hurts her that that uh, women are mm-hmm. seen as as only being able to be one thing and they have souls and they mm-hmm. have dreams and and etc and then at the very end she says but I'm so lonely mm-hmm. and that is something I feel every single day mm-hmm. where I'm I'm so I I felt like I've betrayed myself by wanting to be married and I'm not and that that makes me like I should be stronger than that and mm-hmm. that they aren't mutually exclusive you mm-hmm. can you can feel both ways you can know that you can be okay alone and also still want it and you're still a feminist mm-hmm. and I love that they articulated that in the movie so 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 much that was mm-hmm. that was like the the most um validated I think I've ever felt in mm-hmm. in those um in that scene yeah, I just felt like I think that a lot of people would identify with that feeling of, and it was, it, yeah, it was put in a way that I don't know that I would have ever been able to say it so well, but it was, yeah. it, it just like struck such a chord and I was like, oh my gosh, like I, I, I get that. I get that completely. Right. Um, well, we talk all the time about women wanting to have it all, but yeah, you, you can't. You, yeah, but you can't. But then also that you that if you're trying to have it all then you're you're doing something wrong on one end of it and to have a scene where it says it's all okay and Mm -hmm. it's all right for Mm -hmm. you to to feel this way is Mm -hmm. um I thought was was like just I don't know that I've ever heard that (laughs) yeah it it was really cool um but okay so so Joe and Lori so I read an article once where it talked because I've always been the the like how could they not get together? Right. But, but right. then I thought maybe it's just that I really like Christian Bale. <laughs> Doesn't have anything to do with Laurie. Um, but I read an article that actually parsed out Laurie's language during mm-hmm. his uh, proposal mm-hmm. and talks about all the ways that he he like the language he uses and his his reactions to everything she, he, that Joe says are all super super entitled and super like. I've been nice to you and I love you. So therefore you have to do this. And, and that he like kind of throws a fit and that, that had been the first time I ever recognized that. And when you read it back, um, I just read the book over Christmas again and I was, I was really shocked at how much that came through. Whereas as a, I actually didn't read the book until I was in grad school. Um, but I still was taken in by the Joe and Lori. Of course. Cause love you're, story thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, but then to actually be looking for it and to look for the ways that he that he thinks that it's just a done deal and um, like it kind of doesn't occur to him that she could have other dreams besides mm-hmm. him is mm-hmm. is really, really telling. And something that um, as I've gotten older is I, I've experienced a lot of male entitlement and mm-hmm. and um, the the expectation that if you are nice, then a woman owes you certain things. Mm-hmm. And so um it just feels so ahead of its time to recognize that. And, mm-hmm. and I, I love it. Well, and I thought, so one thing I thought that this movie did well was show uh, a satisfying ending with the professor. I mean, I can't think of his name right now, <laughs> but um, uh, the actor or the, or just professor just bear bear. Yes. Sorry. I couldn't yeah, remember yeah. that uh, because it felt very, which 
it, it kind of was like a throwaway thing in the book to me. Like, cause again, it's been built up like Joe and Lori, Joe and Lori. And then she ends up with this guy who, I don't know if this is actually the way it's portrayed in the book, but it's certainly my impression is that he was like much older than her. And yeah. so it's like, why did she end up with this old dude when she had Lori right there? But, um, but I thought the movie <laughs> did, uh, did a really nice job of showing how he like, he just made her light up and like yeah. sparked her intelligence and all in like and and critiqued her writing and made her better, you know, yeah. by by not just being enthralled by her. So I just thought that that was really well done too. You know, it wasn't a huge portion of the movie, but it felt earned when um, when it did yeah. happen and when the ending, you know, the alternate ending was part. Like it felt like satisfying um, because I felt like they did a nice job with his character to feel like okay yeah I want them yeah to be together although I think Gabriel Byrne is extremely dreamy in the 94 version so I I did not have that feeling of of him being significantly older even though I knew that he was yeah he's he's very very attractive in that movie so (laughs) but it was nice to see her have someone that feels a little bit I mean in the book it definitely he's he's much much older and so to have her have a contemporary felt Mm -hmm nice yeah yeah um so did you read the ending of as just here are here's a choose your own adventure kind of thing or did you think that it was because i've read different articles that have said different things and some of them are like oh this is the ending she wrote and then this is what actually happened and then some of them say no it's like you you just get to choose which one is the real ending and and what how did you interpret that oh i interpreted it as sorry i interpreted it as one is what she wrote and one was what actually happened um that's how i but i i don't i don't know anything was was it not supposed to be that way i wonder now how did you know i no i don't think it's i i i interpreted it the same way um especially because the way that the movie is filmed changes pretty dramatically mm-hmm. in the scene um like it turns into a rom-com right exactly yeah. when they when she chases after him and and they have two shots of of them kissing where yeah. you see her move in and then they show the, a silhouette of them and and it's 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 just like a rom-com and then and then when they're all at plum field sort of moving across the lawn and and it just it feels like this crazy heightened reality right um, and so i interpreted that as fake as as just the ending of her book but i think that it i think maybe because we've been like the movie has already set us up for going back and forth in time mm-hmm. and so maybe that's also possible in oh yeah the ending too i, I think if, about that. if they did that without the back and forth i don't think we we would be prepared for an alternate ending scenario but because we've already done that so much then we're like we're ready for it yeah i hadn't thought about that but you're right because it didn't feel odd to me at all to watch it that way it felt it didn't feel like it took me out of the movie to be like oh wait what's happening right Um, but yeah i interpreted it as one was what really happened and then one was because the publisher was like no you need a happy ending so she's like right so this is going to be your happy ending kind of thing. Right. And I, I love that it gives you, like, this book has been taken in so many different ways throughout its history. And so I love that it gives you, it still is giving you the option of <laughs> taking it different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating that so many different versions can be made and, like, still in 2020, or I guess it came out in 2019 maybe, but um, that people are debating it and talking about it and it feels fresh and new and modern and that's pretty amazing yeah it's it's i can't think of anything else that i mean other other jane austen books for sure yeah 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 but like other children's classics in that way that yeah that's a good point i don't i can't think of any but i also haven't really spent much time thinking about it but yeah i haven't i haven't thought of it yeah yeah um so one thing that i think is funny about this this uh book is is a i didn't read it as a kid when i loved other children's classics so much because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all i read were right, were right. like Anne of green gables and little house and stuff like that mm-hmm. and for some reason this is one that i didn't 
read, but I loved the movie. So why didn't I just read the dang book? <laughs> I owned the book. Why didn't I read why the book? Why didn't you just read it? <laughs> I don't know. But it it like it it's played such a huge part of my life because to me, watching that movie in, in 1994, it felt like everything I had never experienced in my life because it was so green and it had snow and it had all this history and I feel like it like for having not read the book Little Women has had a vast impact in my on my life and the choices that I made because everything I've like every future I've imagined myself in has always been like trying to attain that Mm -hmm. feeling Mm -hmm. and so um and and having just reread the book it re- that feeling exists in the book so much too it's not mm-hmm. just something that that's been like slapped on through different directors um personal right. experiences with it like it it exists in the book just as much and um so it kind of makes me sad that i didn't have a history of reading little women <laughs> I denied myself that. I know. But see, then now you can just appreciate it so much as an adult. So you have, yeah. it's like, you know, when somebody says they haven't seen a movie or read a book or done something that feels like everybody has already done, you know, I've heard before, you, instead of saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe you haven't read that yet or seen that yet, you, which is sort of like a negative spin on it. Like, how possibly could you have not read this? Instead, it's like, oh, I'm so jealous you get the opportunity to read this or experience this for the first time. Right, so right. you just had the opportunity as an adult instead of a yeah. kid. Yeah. Uh, all right. So do you want to move into our, our book chatter about um, books that are related to Little Women? Yeah. It's, right. it's tricky with mine because so many so much of what the book I read talks about are things that I want to discuss still. So it might be a little bit different than our normal, like I just say okay. a thing and okay. Then, okay. Like, there are times I'm going to be like, what do you think about this? So, okay. Um, so the book I read was, uh, it's called Meg, Joe, Beth, Amy, the story of little women and why it still matters by Anne Boyd, uh, Reuse, I think is how you pronounce it. I don't know for that for sure. We'll, we'll type it out. Um, so this, she, the author is a professor of English and she lives in New Orleans, but she doesn't say um, where she works and I couldn't find it on her website. So um, I'm not going to try to uh, research it more. She doesn't want to say it openly <laughs> like that. Um, and her focus of study is women's stories, especially those that have been forgotten over time. So all the the um, female writers of the 19th century that were huge um, bestsellers at the time, but have now been forgotten. That's that's what she she writes about. So um, in this book, she's sort of talking about the forgotten history of Little Women and um, how it's had such a huge impact on American culture, but it's also looked down on in a lot of ways. And so, um, and again, why we still keep writing uh, books about it and making movies about it and and why this has just been so so persistent in American culture. So it kind of has three sections and the first one covers Louisa May Alcott's life and then it goes into the history of Little Women and the adaptations that have been made and then the last section is about why the book has been controversial and sort of the issues that it raises and its lasting impact. So, um, so sort of briefly to cover Louisa May Alcott, um, if there are lots of things about the the book that are um, true to her life. She was the daughter of the philosopher Bronson Alcott, and she grew up knowing Emerson and Thoreau and um, kind of lived this very unusual um, lifestyle for uh, what was common for, for people at the time, um, just because of the circles that her father moved in. But she also saw the issues that came from her father's um, uh, basically absenteeism. So he felt like he was meant on uh, he was meant to teach and he was meant to uh be a philosopher and anything else than that was not being true to himself and so he wouldn't work if if those things weren't panning out for him he just wouldn't work and so her mother abigail had to struggle to support the family um and had a lot of anger and wrote very openly about her anger in her journal and so louise louise may alcott was very aware of this uh, tension in her home so she wrote to support her family very much like Joe does, and she wrote sensational stories, and she was paid very well for them. And then um, 
as a result of of doing well with those stories she was asked to write a book for girls but she didn't want to because she was a tomboy herself and she only had had experiences with her sisters and so she decided to basically write those experiences um that's not exactly her life story but many things are very similar to to what she um experienced with her sisters and she didn't marry by um by choice um she there's a line in the movie where she said where joe says something about how she'd rather be a free spinster paddling her own canoe and Mm -hmm. that is a direct quote from louise may alcott Mm. and she saw how awful marriage could be um based on uh her parents relationship so um so she writes this book and it's immediately a culture cultural phenomenon and it was massively massively popular and it was different than anything that had ever been previously seen and it was considered incredibly realistic and unsentimental look at modern life and that is really ironic in in light of later views of the book where it's been blasted for being sentimental right it's just so funny to have those two things existing for the same book so um at the time it was taught in schools and it was read by all ages and genders and then in the 20th century it started to lose popular appeal other than the girls who grew up with it and almost viewed it as this holy text um in ways that you kind of don't see with other they're definitely classics but there's something about little women that that people just feel so strongly about so Mm -hmm. um And as we've talked about, it's been really frequently adapted for screen and there's been different stage adaptations and tons and tons of different book retellings. And they usually all have the same issue with wanting to tame Joe in some way. And they don't seem to understand the real message of the book. And they only focus on her being a tomboy. And they, the books or all the interpretations are much uh, more interested in how the Uh, sisters romances play out and Mm -hmm. not their other dreams and there's even some versions that have her submitting to the professor in the end where he says something about how he's going to be in charge and she's like okay oh gosh (laughs) this is crazy um and so the book the book goes on to talk about how influential this has been on female writers and how many of them have cited joe as the inspiration for their careers um, but then as the 20th century progressed the, and feminist theory became um, a much uh, more studied topic, then the book began to be seen as uh, old-fashioned and sentimental. And, and especially Joe was seen as this anti-feminist because she gives up her dreams and she gets married and that she betrays her herself from the, the, the second half of the book betrays the first half of the book. Um, but later on, and this is the thing that I really love about, the, about Little Women, um, feminists began to see that it celebrated choice and that it had non-traditional roles for men in the book and joe is an equal partner with her husband and it it's saying that the dreams of your childhood may not be the dreams of your adulthood and that's okay and it's okay to to change those those dreams and to have Mm -hmm. the choice to change those dreams and Mm -hmm. i really love that about it so um even now it's rarely taught it's usually seen as old-fashioned and a book for children and a book for girls and those are all in the uh academy viewed as uh, derogatory terms and it's um, indicative of how women's voices are routinely erased from the canon and that men's stories are worth worth telling and even stories that are from the same era and stories about growing up like uh, books like huck finn those are seen as valid and things mm-hmm. that should be taught but uh, little women is not so this kind of brings up a, a something i want to discuss which is can boys enjoy little women um, Ooh, good question yeah so the book has a long chapter that talks about how adults reinforce the idea that they can't and that um i know you're well aware of this this sort of crisis of the last 20 years that boys don't read right. and that boys won't read about girls and so um in order to force boys to read or to or to entice boys to read they're given adventure books and anything that doesn't have a girl that and and famously jk rowling made her name jk mm-hmm. <laughs> to be able to be right. appealing to boys right so this brings up lots of issues because um it encourages the idea that uh, boys won't see girls' lives as important and that that eventually leads to other issues in adulthood like the objectification of women and the erasure of women and ignoring women's needs. And one of the things that isn't really focused on the book but that I thought of 
is that this also reinforces the idea that boys need to be coddled and that right. their wants are are more important. So girls are expected to read boys' stories. Mm-hmm. Girls are expected to, or women are expected to see the movies that their boyfriends want to see, but rarely does that go the other way. And boys are never told that they need to just read something that they may not like and that they'll survive that and that they don't always get their way. And that to me is so frustrating that this is this is reinforced so often from from such a young age and you see that we I see it in the library I, I've seen it in classrooms and it's just such a frustrating thing and I, I know this is kind of a personal note but I know multiple couples who have broken up or even divorced because the man just he had this idea that if he was ever asked to do anything that he didn't want to do he shouldn't have to do that and that to me is like the entirety of a woman's life is is doing things that you don't want to do and so um and so to me it was really interesting to read this chapter about boys reading little women because it's it's like a microcosm of all of these issues into one one uh question of whether boys can read it and so the author kind of goes into the ways that she's taught this in schools and taught this in her classroom and how how often boys have really really enjoyed it and Mm -hmm. how it isn't true but it's something that is just reinforced on all levels of of uh society so i know you as a librarian will have thoughts about uh boys reading things and and what do you what do you think on this yeah so okay so i have feelings about this because first of all teaching something in school is different from giving access to books that kids want to read because Everybody reads stuff in school that they don't care about (laughs) and some stuff they might care about. But, you know, everybody's reading books that maybe don't resonate with them for whatever reason. So I do think I feel like it should be taught in school if it's important to teach it in school. Like that's to me like you teach the book because it's an important piece of literature or you don't teach the book because it's not. But you don't. you don't not teach it just because boys might not relate to it or something right. like that. Like that to me is just garbage. Right. So, I mean, it's it's the patriarchy, right? Because right. <laughs> the answer to everything. <laughs> the answer to everything is the patriarchy. But like so, I mean, men were in charge, men were writers, men were in charge of publishing. So there was a certain feeling about women's stories being for women. Like, if women wanted to read, they had to read whatever was published. And so they often just read whatever there was. And it was mainly geared towards, or it was mainly of, uh, it was like mainly starring men because men were writing it kind of thing. Now you have what they call women's fiction, which really bothers me because it's like, just because it's written by women about women doesn't, like, it should just be fiction. It should just be a novel. Right. Um, and I heard, you know, I heard, I saw it in the library. I have heard it. Women tend to read all kinds of books. Men want to read books about men. Totally. Um, and 100%. I, I don't, I don't want to go too hard because that's not everybody. I mean, there were certainly men that I knew in the library who would read all sorts of different things. Right. Uh, so I don't mean to imply that generalization is like for every single man. But you did hear that. You did sort of. Uh, that was sort of in the ether about I don't know that just that exists that that sort of mentality exists Um, but I think it's partially because for so long again women didn't have as many options of what to read like if they wanted to be entertained by a book or a movie they had to kind of take what was out there and a lot of what was out there was written by men Mm -hmm. about men Okay, so that's sort of a rambling way of saying, yes, I have seen some of that sort of like women go see whatever movie their boyfriend wants to see and the boyfriends only want to see what they want to see kind of thing. But not always, for sure. So so going back to the original, like, should boys read Little Women? Sure, if they want to, but I don't want to necessarily read... Like, when I was a kid, I didn't necessarily want to read something about like camping or something I didn't have any interest in. So I just feel like if it's something that, again, if it should be taught in schools, 
because it's a good piece of literature, then it shouldn't gender doesn't matter. But if it's a, if it's like a giving something for pleasure, if it's not something that seems interesting, or if they try to read it and they get bored or something, like don't force anybody to read it. Boy, girl, doesn't matter. Like just if it's not their right. cup of tea, it's not their cup of tea. So, well, I think I think the thing the author that is is focusing on is that the option is never even given that it's it's always it's always the assumption this is not for boys and therefore Mm. it shouldn't be it shouldn't be offered um and she talks about some of the statistics uh, um which i can't remember because i don't have a mind for (laughs) for numbers in that way um but how how many books are how how many uh, books in in terms of numbers and also the st- the statistics the the statistics of the teachers that she's talked to and how many of them have said I buy books for boys because it will appeal it will appeal to everyone in the classroom I don't buy books for girls because it will only appeal to the girls and how oh that's frustrating right and and I agree that that it shouldn't be. You know, there there are plenty of things. I hate superheroes more than anything in the world. I don't want to watch a superhero movie. And I don't think that people should be forced to, if they know their mind and they don't like something, that they should be forced to like something because someone else tells them to. Right. But I think that the assumption going into it that you're not going to like something is really, really troubling and, and you know, is, is detrimental to men, too, in, right. in terms right. of, like... Uh, like the range of gender expression, right? And right. Yeah, I do think really I do feel like things are changing, though. I don't know. Maybe this is just like me looking at the world through rose-colored glasses. But I, I think that more people we're talking are, about it. Well, and I think more people are aware of this sort of thing. Yeah. Of, um, I don't know. First of all, I think people are interested in reading about experiences other than their own and I think that people are interested in um, getting away from the traditional gender roles that were culturally kind of like the norm or expected and and how damaging that can be to people and so I don't know I just think that um, yeah that I mean that's what I mean that as a culture we're these are things that didn't get talked about right yeah 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 generations and now finally as a culture we're we're actually having these conversations with each other and and that's at least heartening right yeah and I I think that um I don't know I feel like I see and hear about more openness to to things and like I think there's a willingness to try to try things that yeah that I don't know that I would have 20 years ago Um, yeah so anyway, okay. Sorry. Do you have more to say about? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I mean, the the rest of the book basically is just about more of the influence on how it teaches girls how to grow up and how to, um, you know, the book is is really about how to become a good person and that mm-hmm. the March sisters aren't perfect and they mm-hmm. have to grow over the course of the book and mm-hmm. so that has been a huge influence on how books are written about girls um, ever since because it isn't just like you know before that it was here's a perfect girl and all the ways that she was perfect and yeah this is the first time you really saw uh in children's literature at least uh, a, a character being formed basically right. so right that's so um, so it's really great and so uh that was meg joe beth amy the story of little women and why it still matters by ann boyd reuse all right so mine is totally different mine is the lost <laughs> summer of louisa may alcott by kelly o'connor mcneese um and this was i was thinking about this book because i read this a while ago and i was thinking about that there i feel like there was a trend for a little while for these novels to be written about authors sort of interior personal lives that we didn't know much about sort yeah, of speculating yeah. do you re- i don't feel like they I don't know. I felt like there was kind of a little wave of them. And I, I loved them. I read them all. Like, I thought they were so interesting. I love any sort of biographical fiction that like that that takes a real person and imagines their personal life, basically. So I'm a sucker for those. But anyway, so this one was about Louisa May Alcott. It imagines uh, summer in 1855 when her family relocated to New Hampshire. Um, and she has a 
this little romance. So um, apparently there is not very much in the personal papers of the family. So Kelly O'Connor McNeese was able to imagine what maybe happened over this summer. So in this book, Louisa becomes friends with the local shop owner's daughter and her brother, um, the shop owner's son, takes an interest in Louisa and she rebuffs him because she is very goal oriented and she has this idea that she's going to spend the summer saving up money so she can move to Boston and become a writer. Um, but eventually he kind of wears her down. He's very intelligent and he's very charming and, and that all wears her down. And then just as she is falling for him, there is a twist, which I'm not going to give away, but something causes them to not end up to be able to be together. So um, she ends up on her own, much like, you know, that's how her, Louisa May Alcott's real life went. She didn't ever marry anybody. Um, but so it's like she had this one summer that she had this, um, summer romance. So I was going to say summer fling and it's not a fling because it's like they do, <laughs> they fall in love, but it, you know, they don't end up together. And so um, it was, it was really engaging and I thought it was fun to think about kind of what might've been or what was going on in the lives of these famous authors that, you know, we know through their books and we know, um, we know about them, but sort of see a glimpse into what might have been. Um, so that is The Lost Summer of Louisa May Alcott by Kelly O'Connor McNeese. I talked a lot longer about mine than you talked <laughs> I know, about you yours. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You did. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and then there was one we kind of wanted to both talk about. I didn't um, actually make any notes on, but it's oh, March, yeah. March by Ger- Geraldine Brooks, which <sighs> is such a good book. A fabulous, fabulous book about the father of uh, Joe and Beth and Amy and Meg, who is fairly absent in Little Women. And so it imagines where he is and what he is off doing. Um, He's brilliantly played by Bob Odenkirk. Oh, so good. So good. So perfect. (laughs) So perfect. But yeah, so March, um, it's, it's great. If you are, even if you're not a fan of Little Women, I think it stands alone as just a really, really good book. But if you have read Little Women or yeah. know it, and I can't imagine you've made it 40 some minutes into our podcast if you are not a fan of Little Women or have not read it, um, <laughs> you definitely read People March. can really like us. Yeah, that's they, true. They might just really, really like us. <laughs> it's possible. Doubtful. Well, possible. March, <laughs> March is great too because there's, it doesn't, like if it were a book that were that so little woman is about the women of this of this family mm. and the father is absent and if it were saying like but the father is is just as interesting and just as important mm. and and he, let's let's restore him t- in his rightful place then i w- it would annoy me but it's not doing that at all mm. and mm. there there is a i can't say too much without without giving things away but there's a point in the book where you you get more information that that reframes mm-hmm. lots yep. of things that have happened and it's one of the best the best like i, I don't want to say a twist because it's not a twist but but it's it's just really really satisfying and really really well done and and just adds so much more layer uh mm-hmm. to the the book of March and also the book of little women. And mm-hmm. it's, it's just so well done. I I totally agree. Yeah. It's, it's great. I kind of want to reread it. I think I read it, what, 10 years ago or whenever it came out. I kind of want to mm-hmm. reread it. Okay. Well, so I think, I think we're good for now. So we will be right back with what we're reading this week. Uh, so, Anne, what are you reading this week? Um, this week I'm reading a book that I've, I've actually been reading for ages and I had to put it aside for um, some other stuff. And so I'm glad that I'm able to come back to it and talk about it. And it's called When We Were Vikings by Andrew oh, David McDonald. Have you read this one yet? No, I want to, but I have not read it yet. Yeah. Um, I might be angry later on that I talked about this as a what I'm reading <laughs> instead of saving it for a later topic. But that's that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> So it's about a woman named Zelda, and she is 21, and she lives with her older brother, Gert. So, so I'm, 
so the the name is G E R T, and in Danish that is a very common name. And so I always am saying it Gert, but I think it's just Gert. Maybe it's G E R T. G E R T. Yeah, I would say that Gert. Okay. Sorry. Yep. I might screw it up as I say this a lot, so <laughs> I'll try my best. Um, so she is on the fetal alcohol spectrum, and she is pretty high functioning. Um, she can go out alone and she has a boyfriend who is um, not as high functioning as she is. And that well, is is one of the conflicts of the book. But she, um, one of the ways that she's able to be as high functioning as she is, is that she follows very strict rules that she set for herself and she can't deviate from those rules. And she is also obsessed with Vikings and, and like obsessed, obsessed. And she knows everything about them. And she's studied old, she's, she has studied old Norse and, um, she speaks Old Norse to people and she this is just what she bases her life on. So one day she's in a therapy session and her therapist shows her an article about a Viking grave that um, had, I think, been previously discovered, but then based on new evidence, they know that now it was a grave for a woman. And so Zelda hadn't known that there were female Viking warriors. She she knew that women played a role in that society, but she hadn't known that they could fight. And so it just completely blows her mind. And so her therapist encourages her to start building her own legend. And he, he sort of shows her this article um, because he knows that she wants more independence. And so he wants to encourage her to seek that independence herself. And so she's brought up issues like she wants to have sex with her boyfriend and she feels that Geert won't let her grow up and he's he's kind of holding her back. So she... Um, she studies her favorite Viking book and she determines the things that she needs to do to become legendary. And so those include things like uh, um, hand-to-hand combat with a weapon and saving a maiden and having a wise teacher and defeating villains. And um, she creates this list for herself. So she starts to look for ways to incorporate that list into her life. And at the same time, her brother is getting involved in something that Zelda knows is wrong. She sees that he's hanging out with with kind of a rough crowd and that he has unexplained money that he um, hadn't had before. And she uh, eventually finds a gun in his room and she doesn't like it. And she knows that this is part of her quest to become legendary, that she needs to defeat the villains that are threatening her tribe, as she says. And so this book is is just really sweet in many ways. And it's really sad in in other ways and kind of at the same time um because zelda is just a wonderful character and you you're really inspired by her and she's really funny and um she's she's really inspiring in lots of ways but then at the same time the story is told from her perspective and so you so we're seeing how she's seeing things and we understand what's going on but she doesn't and so it's hard to to read these things and to sort of see her confusion at them and to know the ways that she's being taken advantage of by people who um, should have her best interests at heart. So she's very relatable because you you see firsthand her need for independence in the ways that she's trying to get that for herself. And um, she ends up uh, finding work at a library, which oh. uh, was fun. Um, and and she's, she's just a really... Um, in many ways this is kind of a feel-good book which really isn't my thing but because she's such a great character it's it's something that that um i was able to sort of see past my own issues with feel-good stories and um and really uh feel inspired by her um and this is also a good example of when you find something that isn't the type of story you would you would naturally gravitate toward you can find something that that does grab you and for me that's vikings mm-hmm. so um i was i was glad that i sort of uh had my interest piqued by that aspect of it because it really opened my eyes to the rest of this really great story and that is when we were vikings by andrew david mcdonald that's awesome yeah i, I wanted to read that it just hasn't hasn't popped up yet so much so many books so little time so yeah. i haven't gotten to it yet but i, I think you'll really like it yeah I, it I, sounds like just the sort of kind of thing i would like yeah I, I should say there's lots and lots of uh, pretty frank swearing and some frank sexual scenes, so just be aware of that. So this week I am listening to All We Ever Wanted by Emily Giffen. So a few weeks ago, I don't know, I I don't know what really motivated me to do this, but uh, I went on this holds spree on Libby, which is like the Overdrive oh, yeah. app for my library. And I have multiple library cards because I just moved from one <laughs> county to another county. And oh, did you? I, I yeah. didn't know that. 
Yeah, yeah. So I have uh, actually, yeah. We'll we'll leave it at that. I really, it's really Jeremy's library card that I forced him to get for me like a year ago. But <laughs> technically, I live in that county now, so I I have two library cards, and then I also use my sister's Chicago library card to do eBooks. <laughs> so I have three I have three different library cards at, on Libby. So I just went crazy putting all these holds on different books, and um, and I've been having so much fun. All, mostly all audiobooks, I think, because I have plenty of book books to read and audio right. or um advanced readers copies and things so but all audiobooks but it was it was fun I was finding books from like the last couple of years that I had missed somehow for various reasons and um placing them on hold so this was one that popped up and um as I as being available so I listened to it and I used to read everything Emily Giffen wrote and then one of her books maybe five or six years ago just struck struck the wrong chord with me and so I stopped reading and it wasn't even like it was terrible or anything it's just I didn't Something about it I didn't really like, and so I never picked up anything after that. So this one came out two years ago and um, takes place in Nashville, Anne, and uh, and the author oh, yeah, went to she Wake. She lives here. That's right. No, she lives in Atlanta. Oh, I thought she, she lives lived in... here. She does events here all the time. Oh, does she? Yeah, she lives in Atlanta. She must come um, up a lot. But yeah, she went to college at, at, with not with you, but yeah, she graduated a year before I started at Wake Forest, uh, which is just a fun little fun fact. Anyway, so this one is about. This very, very wealthy family who um, seeming, seemingly have it all. Uh, and one night when the couple, Kirk and Nina, are at this fundraising gala, their son, Finch, is a high school senior, and he is at a party. And he sends a text to a friend uh, with a photo of a girl who's passed out on a, on a bed, and her shirt is sort of, it's it's shifted in a way where you can see part of her breast so it's like her clothes are still on but it's definitely kind of an inappropriate picture and he puts a caption underneath about her uh getting her green card and she is she is half latinx so um super racist caption um and this very inappropriate picture and so of course his friend forwards it or posts it on instagram or something it's it's viral within like five minutes so Nina and and is immediately told by somebody else at this gala, like, did you hear what happened? Your son sent this picture. And she is horrified. Like, she is absolutely horrified that this has happened, that her son would do anything like this. She thinks that he should be um, severely punished for it. She just is, like, uh, just appalled. Her husband, meanwhile, is sort of like, eh. Boys will be boys. He had just gotten into Princeton like the week before. And so uh, they go to a meeting at the school and the headmaster says, well, he's going to have to go in front of the honor council because this is a violation of our honor code and they'll decide what the punishment is. And the and Kirk, the, the father, is like, but do we really need to do that? Like, we don't want to jeopardize his acceptance to Princeton and it was just a minor thing and goes you know it's just like he's I don't know he's one of those guys that's got a lot of money and thinks he's kind of above it all and so the book's actually told from three different perspectives so it's it's Nina and then the girl's father and then the girl Lila so Lila also feels like so she's a sophomore and she's had a crush on Finch and so she feels like no please don't make a big deal out of this like I don't want everybody at school thinking I've gotten him in trouble, you know, or God forbid, like he doesn't get to go to college because of me. Like she wants to make it kind of no big deal. And her dad is a carpenter. So she is at the school on a, on a scholarship. And so there's all this stuff about like, you know, the people who give, have wings named after them at the school generally don't get in trouble for things. And, and just all this kind of like class stuff. It's all kind of very complicated, especially because Nina as the boy's mom really is on the kind of the side of the girl and she's not on the side you know she thinks what her her son did is terrible and um she has she has an incident in her past that was um a sexual assault that has kind of informed her life and so she definitely has very strong feelings about what needs to happen here so it's a really thoughtful look i felt like at family dynamics um and the influence of wealth and and how you kind of use the power that you have when you are in a position to influence other people. So I, th- I, I thought it was great. I actually just finished it uh, earlier today. 
And I thought it ended in a really satisfying way. So I, I quite enjoyed it. I was glad I'm back on the Emily Giffen train. So that is All We Ever Wanted by Emily Giffen. Oh, that sounds so good. It felt very but, timely, too. Like, it yeah. felt definitely like she's, and I follow her on Instagram, so I'm aware she has, like, <laughs> she has teenage sons and then um, a younger daughter. And so it just felt like this is a world that she kind of knows. And um, so it felt like it was coming from, uh, an honest place well and she's I always think of her as being pretty not not frivolous I don't mean frivolous mm-hmm. in a negative way but but just lighter mm-hmm. reads but it seems like she she walks the balance of yeah of having a light tone but also having some substance there really yeah well. it's that's absolutely right I think in fact as I was listening to it I was thinking to myself I feel like I kind of underestimated her books a little bit yeah or under underestimated her as an author because I kind of lumped her in with yeah lighter fair I guess and I mean like more chick litty right guess. and yeah. I am such a fan of like that is not derogatory to me to say right. That she that light is bad. Like I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying I I didn't think that the books like I was putting her I was lumping her in with the type of book that's very different from what she's actually writing. So yeah. well, she's really more like in that like relationship fiction, women's fiction kind of lane about not like Leanne Moriarty, because Leo Moriarty has more of a like suspense angle to her yeah. books, but, well, but more of that more like suburban like Jody Picole kind of kind of style yeah but not I don't know I think of those as, as taking themselves really seriously and yeah it doesn't yeah. seem like like Emily Griffin I just called her Griffin Griffin <laughs> um, does that in quite the same way yeah. but it but also it, I don't mean that in a bad way to either of them either yeah. so right. it's that's yeah, what I, I was she yeah a good, a good yeah line. I was just thinking of there were some so part of my job, I, I don't know if I've ever said this, but the, the company that I work for, we, we have this database. And um, one of the things we do is we recommend what you call read-alikes. So it's like if you like this one author, you like this other author. or And we give reasons why. Like if you like this about this author, you'll like this other author, this title, and that title. And so, of course, now when I read, I'm always thinking about, well, who would make a good read-alike? Or what would be a good read-alike for this title? What would be a good suggestion? And so for that part of the reason my brain went there is to think, oh, wow, I've been kind of categorizing her incorrectly in my own brain because I wouldn't have when I started thinking about who I would compare her to. I was like, oh, that's not who I would have thought before I read this. So and maybe maybe her writing style has shifted, too. I mean, I think she started writing when she was probably in her late 20s or early 30s and now she's in her 40s and um you know perspectives change and what you want to write about changes and what you want to think about and talk about changes so and what's interesting is her if you follow her on instagram you already know that she is very political like she is very she's not shy about sharing her political opinions um and so or really her any of her opinions but um (laughs) right now it's it's very much based about politics um and so because I follow her on Instagram as I was reading or as I was listening to this book, I was like, this all makes sense to me. Like this all it mm. all tracks of what she thinks is important to talk about and and what she as a as like a human being feels like it's important to talk about. And then as an author, what she feels compelled to write about. Um, it all meshes, obviously. So yeah. um so yeah, it was it, I'm excited. Her her new one's coming out in June. It's called The Lies That Bind and I I was like, Well, now I have to read that, obviously. <laughs> I don't even know what it's about, but I want to read it. <laughs> All right. So um, I guess we should list off what we the books we talked about, even though it was only four of them today. But yeah. Little okay. Women, obviously. <laughs> oh, yeah. Little Women was one. <laughs> um, so I talked about Meg, Joe, Beth, Amy, The Story of Little Women and Why It Still Matters by Anne Boyd Reuse. And then what I'm reading this week is When We Were Vikings by Andrew David McDonald. All right. And I talked, well, we also talked about March by Geraldine Brooks. Yes. And I talked about The Lost Summer of Louisa May Alcott by Kelly O'Connor McNeese. And what I was listening to this week was All We Ever Wanted by Emily Giffen. Thank you all for sticking with us for such a long episode. I hope you enjoyed it, at least. If you want to ta- tell us about your feelings about Little Women, if you've seen the movie or just read the book or both and you want to give us feedback about it, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com. You can find us on our Facebook page or on Twitter at Well Read Podcast. 
please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your other provider of choice. So one thing we wanted to mention before we wrap this up is we link all of the books that we've talked about uh, at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com. And we now are linking to bookshop.org, which is a website where if you purchase through them, it supports indie bookstores. So it's pretty competitive pricing to something like Amazon. But you, if you have feelings about supporting Amazon, then this might be a good option for you. If you have feelings about wanting to support independent bookstores, this could be a good option option for you. Of course, we always approve of using your local library to get books, but uh, we also know that book lovers like to own books, and so we wanted to provide an option. Uh, We do get a a very small percentage of the purchase price of the book if you purchase through our links, Um, and we do have a presence where you can see um, we can make book lists. So right now, we have two lists up there, one of my favorites and one of Anne's favorites. So I bet you can guess which one is mine because there's gothic stuff every place. (laughs) I bet they can know which one is mine because there are romances on it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. Thank you all for listening. Happy reading. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you soon.